Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we are here to celebrate tonight. What a gift it is. And I just want to say as we continue in this service how grateful I am to be able to worship together with you. And I um, want to just take a few moments, uh, very briefly, just to acknowledge our amazing team that uh, made this evening possible for all of us to be able to worship together. Um, Pastor Matt and Pastor Kyle and um, Caleb and Kendall and Camille and Jess and Shelly and the whole crew have been uh, laboring many hours to ensure that we could be here and what a blessing it is uh, to be able to worship together and I'm so thankful for um, what God is doing in our midst and to be able to be a part of all of this. You know, when my kids were young, we would uh, go to the toy store like many of you parents and uh, I'm going to age myself here a little bit. We used to go to Babies R Us when they were really little. I think that store's defunct now, sorry. Uh, we did our best to keep them in business, though. And we would shop, and we'd look for the best gift, and we'd do all that we could to find the perfect things for the kids. And we'd, of course, bring them home. We'd wrap them all up. And come Christmas morning, they would come, and they'd open up their presents. And we had spent hours preparing and thinking that we'd done our very best to get everything exactly as they would want it. And within moments they would be playing with wrapping paper and bows. And the gifts would just be sort of sitting off to the side. I guess I'm the only one that ever happened to. <laughs> As they got older, we moved to phones and we'd give them you know, the phone and they'd of course be begging for that for years and we finally give them the phone and then they don't take my calls. And I think to myself, what is the purpose of the gift that I gave you? And so often, when we receive the gifts that we come our way, we can miss the intent of the giver. And at Christmas tonight, what I hope is that as we look at God's word together, that we might not miss what God was doing when he sent his one and only son to come and be Emmanuel, to be God with us, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is what God was doing. And as we look at this date on the calendar, and I know for perhaps many of us, we think we do this every year. And as church people, we do Advent season every year, and we might find ourselves asking, why do we have these routines and these repetitions? Well, the reason is, is that we are prone to wander, prone to forget how quickly we forget what God was doing when he sent Christ to us. And we can miss all that Jesus has done on our behalf. We can get too focused on the things of this world. That's easy to do tomorrow, but it really isn't that easy to do every day of our lives. The circumstances, all of the things of our daily calendar and schedules and all of those things, they get in the way and they can lead us and they can cause us to forget what God has done and what God is surely doing. So in just a few moments that I have, I promise I won't keep you too late. I know you've got dinner plans. I want to encourage us. I want to remind us together of the hope that Christ brings us. Let me pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to that end. Holy Spirit, we do pray that you would come, you would fill this room, you would move me out of the way so that you might speak to us, you might encourage our souls, you might remind us why we celebrate the birth of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, every year, why we must never forget and I pray that every soul that can hear the sound of my voice, wherever they may be, would be encouraged that God has come to dwell with us so that one day you could take us home. We pray these things in your mighty name. 
Amen. Jerome, one of the church fathers, a priest, an old guy, he's dead a long time ago in the 300s, he said this, Jesus was born in a dung heap because he knew that's where he would find us. And isn't that so true? I don't know about you, but these last couple years, I could define them in some ways. I could just say, man, it's been a little bit of a dung heap, right? It's been a little bit of a challenge. Parents, you can explain to your kids what the dung heap is later tonight. That's my gift to you. <laughs> but he, wouldn't, he knew that he would find us there. But he came to establish a kingdom that is not of this world. He came into this terrible place. He came into this broken world. But he did so so that he could establish a kingdom that is not of this world, that's not bound by the rules of this world, that can never be tarnished by all the ugliness that we have experienced and continue to experience. And as citizens of that kingdom, people who have placed our faith in Christ, we know that we can have hope that can outlast and really overwhelm our circumstances. Once again, if we allow ourselves to become too focused on our earthly circumstances, we can forget what God is doing. I want to remind you of the story all the way back in Genesis where God created the world, he created man, and he placed man and woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden, and Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God. He dwelled with them. Then sin entered the world, and there was separation between God and man. And what God is doing in this entire story that we read in our Bibles and that we're living out even today is God is making all things new. He's bringing us hope. And only God can do that. And only God can do that through Christ. Let me read for you from Colossians chapter one that explains why Jesus has the power to do what he does. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This text teaches us that Jesus, the one who came as an infant, as a baby, is sovereign, or as he uses the word here, preeminent over all things. He is supreme over all things. God at one point could not be seen. And as Paul is writing this letter to the church in an old city called Colossae, he's writing this letter to them. He's telling them, you couldn't see God. He was the invisible God, but Jesus is the image of the invisible God. We can now see God through Christ. He is the firstborn of all creation. What he's teaching us there is that he is the one who all things will fall to. The firstborn in the Jewish culture was the one who would receive the inheritance from the father and be responsible for caring for the family and taking care of everything. And as Jesus is here described as the firstborn of all creation, he's described as the one who is sovereign over all things. He is the preeminent one, the one who is over creation. Do you know what that means? All the things that we experience in this life, all of the challenges, the good and the bad, God is sovereign over them all. He is preeminent. 
And if he is over them all, because we know who he is, we can trust that his plans are good even when we can't see them. This is the gift of Christmas, that Christ, this preeminent Christ, this all-powerful Christ would come. How do I know he's all-powerful? Well, it says that everything that was created was created by him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. When we read in Genesis that story of creation and God, we know that God spoke the world into existence. The mystery of the Trinity is that it was through Christ that God, the creative power through Christ, Christ is eternal. He didn't just show up at Christmas time. That's when he took on flesh and he came to dwell with us. He stepped down from heaven to be with us. But it demonstrates his power that he holds all things together. If you're a guest with us, once again, I just want to say how glad we are that you're here with us. But you haven't heard this as much as our church hears this. I say this often here on Sunday mornings. But this text says that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know the assurance of that verse? It means that there is not one molecule in the universe that is out of place right now. Everything is exactly as it should be for God to accomplish his perfect purposes for the world. And we can't see them. And for many of us, it's hard. And that means there's challenges and there's hardships and brokenness. But we can know that Jesus is over all of these things. In verse 18, Paul describes us, the church, those who have put our faith in Christ. And he describes how Jesus is the preeminent one and the one who established the church. He is the head of the body, the church. That's Jesus. How? Because he's the beginning. He's the one who was firstborn from the dead. Not only is he the firstborn of creation over all of creation, but he's the first one to, be, to raise from the dead and to conquer death. What do you have to fear, friends, if you do not fear death? Nothing. And in Christ, what Christ came to bring us was the ability to know that our lives are perfectly held in the palm of an almighty, loving, good, and gracious God. And we see that in Christ. He is the one who establishes church, and he is preeminent over it as well. And we see in him the fullness of God. And through him, we are reconciled to God. That which was marred by sin in the garden Jesus came so that he could live the perfect life that only he could live, so he could lay down that perfect life for you and for me so that three days later, as Miss Jessica taught our children, he could take that life up again and conquer death for everyone who would believe. This is the amazing gift of who Jesus is. And I want to connect the dots for you between where we sit today and this Jesus that is described in Colossians. See, the Old Testament prophesied about the Messiah who would come. From Genesis all the way up to Malachi, we see various prophecies that talk about the Messiah, the one who would come and would redeem the world. I don't have time to read them for you because I know where you, we gotta get moving here. But if you, have, if you can take notes quickly, I'll give you the verses. Genesis 22, Numbers 24, Isaiah 11, Isaiah 17, Jeremiah 23, Psalm 72, Micah 5.2. Did you get all those? That's just a few of the places in the Old Testament that describe the coming of the Messiah. 
And exactly as all of those prophecies, if I had read every single one of them, you would have said, yes, Jesus did that. Yes, Jesus did that. Yes, that is the way the Messiah came. This is who he was. He did it all. It was accomplished perfectly as God described that it would happen. Well, that text, those Old Testament prophecies were written thousands of years before Jesus would come to dwell with us. Here's the amazing thing. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross, he took up his life again, and then he gave the prophecy of his second coming. And he taught us what would happen for all of us in the end. He promised that the same power that he had to fulfill all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, this is what our future looks like. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's where we're living right now. That is going to go away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jesus has gone away. He's not here. We don't necessarily see his presence. We have the church, which is the presence of Christ, his body at work. But he's gone away as a husband goes away to prepare to take his bride. But here is what he is told, or what he says. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne... That's the same Jesus that we celebrate his birth. He says, behold, I am making all things new. What was marred by sin, Christ came to redeem and establish the church to draw us to himself. And he went away to prepare a place for us. And his promise is, No matter what you see happening in your life, the challenges, the hardships, the brokenness of this world, Jesus is making all things new. And at Christmas, the reason we remind ourselves over and over and over again is because honestly, it's really easy for us to believe that Jesus came. He came once. We celebrate it every year. It becomes pretty routine for us. This celebration of Jesus' birth reminds us that he will surely come again. And he will wipe away every tear and he will make all things new. And the amazing thing about how powerful Jesus is, his preeminence, is that he's even doing that now. So as we gather with our families tomorrow, you'll have a season, I expect, of waiting. Your kids will be ready You'll be telling them, no, I don't, this is how my kids sleep now, so I don't really experience this any longer. But back in the day, they were ready. They were ready to come downstairs. They were ready to barge into the living room. And we were in this, they want, but we made them wait. And that same idea, the excitement that we have, we are living in this period of waiting. And it can seem a little frustrating, just like it'll be for your children in the morning. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is coming again, just as he came. And he will make all things new. There's another text in Revelation that speaks of the power of Christ, the only one, because of his sacrifice, who is worthy 
to make all things new. So we're going to respond to this beautiful truth, the promise of Christ's second coming, as we celebrate his first coming. And we're going to sing. I hope this song encourages your soul to remember that Christ has done an amazing thing, and he will continue that work. And so let's stand and let's sing in response.
and to celebrate this evening. He's worthy, and he's worthy of our lives. And so we're going to sing a closing song, a very familiar hymn, Silent Night, and we're going to light our candles. As we do that, I hope this won't just be a sentimental picture opportunity, while it is very much that. It'll be an opportunity for us to remember that Christ is worthy of our lives and that we have been sent We have received the gift of Christmas so that we can be sent out into the world and to take the gift of his light to the world around us. And so we're going to light our candles now. Our elders are going to come forward and come and light each of your candles. Let's sing together and remember the Christ, the light of the world. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we hope to see you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.